1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16. Word of Yahweh reads, Then the word of Yahweh came to him. We know that him is Elijah the prophet. Get up, go to Zarephath, that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow woman gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. And she went to get it. He called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As Yahweh your mighty one lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. Only make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterwards, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what Yahweh, the Mighty One of Israel, says. The flour jar will not become empty, and the oil jug will not run dry until the day Yahweh sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. She and he and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty, and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of Yahweh, he had spoken through Elijah. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. The prophet Elijah's first word from Yahweh in verse 4 told him to go and hide at the creek Cherith. After the creek dried up because there was no rain, remember verse 7, there was another word from Yahweh that came to Elijah. Both times in verse 4 and verse 8, Elijah received a direct revelation from Yahweh. Now I want you to think about this. In verse 4, Yahweh said he commanded the ravens to provide for Elijah. And now in verse 9, Yahweh says he's commanded a widow woman to provide for Elijah. Both cases, it means that Yahweh ordained it. It was going to happen. Well, the ravens were odd to begin with. That's an odd way for a man or a woman to be provided for. But if you think about it, a widow woman is just as out of the ordinary. Widows were not high up on the money chain. Widows were the ones that needed to be helped, not the ones that provided for others. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, Yahweh commanded the Israelites to use their tithe at the feast to feed not just the Levites, but also the widows. The widows were never required in the law to provide for other people, other families. It was the others, the working men, the thriving families that were to provide for the widows. Yet here we have Yahweh telling Elijah that a widow is going to provide for him. We serve a mighty one whose provisions come from the most unexpected places. They can come from the birds of the sky. They can come from little widow women. He takes care of his people. He takes care of his prophet. 
in ways that only he can. See, if I were to instruct Elijah, if I was back there, and I instructed Elijah on where to go, I would say, Elijah, go over here to this wealthy man's house. He's a hard worker. He's been blessed with many animals. His garden's doing great. And you're going to have no problem being taken care of by this man. Go there, Elijah. But Yahweh says, go see the widow. I've commanded her to provide for you. I've appointed her. Now, if that wasn't strange enough, look at this woman's address in verse 9. Yahweh says, Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Verse 10 adds, So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. Zarephath in Sidon? Where does that take your mind to? In chapter 16, verse 31, Ahab married a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel's daddy was named Ethbaal, after the mighty one, Baal, the Canaanite mighty one. And Ethbaal was the king of the Sidonians. The king of the Sidonians, those who dwelt in Sidon. Zarephath in Sidon was a Canaanite city. It wasn't in the land of Israel. It was north of the land of Israel. And the Sidonians were descendants of Ham's, one of Noah's sons, Ham. Ham's firstborn son, Canaan, Noah's grandson. Genesis 10, 15 through 19, you'll find that. The Sidonians were not Shemites. They were Hamites, kind of like the Egyptians. How many knew that the Egyptians were Hamites? really through his son Mitzrayim. And if you look up the word Egypt in Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word Mitzrayim. It's from one of Ham's son's names. Now Yahweh was doing this for a purpose. Yahweh sent Elijah to Zarephath and Sidon for a purpose. And we are not to question Yahweh's method because it's Yahweh's method. And Elijah, as the great man of Yahweh that he was, he never questioned Yahweh's method. Verse 10 says he went to Sidon, to Zarephath. Well, this widow woman who lived in Zarephath of Sidon was not an Israelite woman. Now, her address alone, where she lived, doesn't prove this, but a few other points do. Look at verses 10 through 12 again. I'll emphasize the point I want to bring out. Verse 10. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow woman gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As Yahweh, your mighty one, lives. I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. This woman knew that Elijah was a man of Israel. She even knew the name of Yahweh. But she also knew that Yahweh was not her mighty one. This is why she addresses Elijah by saying, As Yahweh, your mighty one, lives. See, when Elijah went to speak with King Ahab back in verse 1, the first thing that Elijah says is this. As Yahweh, the mighty one of Israel, lives. 
the Israelites were descendants from Noah's son, Shem, not through Ham or Japheth. Through one line of Shem, Shem had multiple lines, but through one line of Shem, Eber, which is possibly where we get the word Hebrew, there's a couple of ideas on that, through one line of Shem came a man named Eber, and then later on came a man named Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham or Abraham. And from Abram comes Isaac, and then from Isaac comes Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And in the Hebrew Scriptures, the phrase, the Mighty One of Israel, if you're reading the English Bible, it will say the God of Israel, that phrase is used in the Old Testament about 87 times. The Mighty One of Israel. Yahweh's never called the Mighty One of the Sidonians. Well, why in the world did Yahweh send Elijah to a Sidonian widow for provision? Why not one of the widows in Israel? Surely there were many widows in Israel, right? Yahweh could have sent Elijah to one of them. Well, as we turn to Luke chapter 4, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4. I want to show you that it's not just my theory that there were many widows in Israel that Yahweh could have sent Elijah to, but that Yeshua says that there were. Now, what we have in Luke 4, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter in your Bible study time. What we have in Luke 4 is Yeshua as an adult after his baptism. He's been baptized. The Holy Spirit has has come down upon him. Remember in Luke 4 it starts off that he went into the wilderness, but he's under the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan comes to tempt Yeshua. Yeshua doesn't give in. He's tempted, but he doesn't sin, Hebrews 4.15. Well, early on in his ministry... He went to his hometown. His hometown was Nazareth. It's not where he was born. He was born in Bethlehem, lower Israel. But he grew up in a little town named Nazareth. Remember, that's where Miriam was when she got the news from Gabriel. Luke 4.16 says it's where he had been brought up. So this is Yeshua's hometown, and it was the Sabbath day. And as he was accustomed to do, he went to the synagogue. He went to the place of worship. And he stood up to read. And the Isaiah scroll was handed to him. I was thinking about this today. This is not in my notes. But I was thinking about how thankful I am to have a Bible. To have the Hebrew Scriptures and the Apostolic Scriptures in my home in various versions and translations to read whenever I want to. Yeshua didn't carry around a Bible. Yeshua didn't carry around a scroll. All the Israelites didn't have scrolls like we have Bibles. That's why they would go to the synagogue and they would hear the scrolls be read. And they would practice and memorize certain writings in the prophets and in the law. So the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Yeshua and he unrolled it. And he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of Yahweh is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of Yahweh's favor. That's in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. And if you make notes, you can reference that to Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. That's what we call it. He didn't call it Isaiah 61. But we call it Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 2. That's where he read. Now, after he finished reading that section... He rolled the scroll back up. He gave it to the attendant. 
he sat down and then he spoke and he said that he was the fulfillment of what he just read. In other words, he said, that part in, in the Isaiah scroll that I just read, that's about me. That's about me. I'm the fulfillment. Now, at this point, the people at Nazareth were speaking with their words. They were speaking well about Yeshua. And the Bible says they were amazed at His words. But Yeshua, because He was a prophet, Yeshua knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. So He continued to speak in verse 23 to His hometown people. And in verse 23 it says, Then He said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Doctor, heal yourself. All we've heard that took place in Capernaum do here in your hometown also. Now, Dr. Heal Yourself is an old proverb. Yeshua didn't mean that it's from the book of Proverbs, but it's a well-known proverb. And Dr. Heal Yourself means all the miracles that you've been doing elsewhere, do them also in your hometown. If you can heal everybody else, heal yourself is a way of saying, if you can heal in other places, let's see some healings here in the hometown. Yeshua knew that the people there in his hometown did not receive the message of Isaiah 61. Yahweh had sent Yeshua to preach to the poor, to the captive, to the blind. I'm not just speaking naturally, I'm speaking spiritually. Poor, captive, and blind. The people at Nazareth did not recognize that they were poor, captive, or blind. Yeshua knew this, and therefore He told them, I know that you're going to ask Me to perform the miracles I performed in Capernaum here in Nazareth, but I'm not going to do it. That's what He told them. He said, I'm not going to do it. You came looking for a miracle today on the Sabbath, and I'm not going to perform any miracles today. Then Yeshua reached back to the stories of Elijah and Elisha. He did this to explain that he wasn't going to do any miracles in his hometown similar to how Elijah and Elisha's ministries were. He was not going to heal anyone there or bless anyone there with his power, even though they were his hometown people. Look at verses 24 through 26. Luke chapter 4, 24 through 26. Excuse me, 24 through 27. He also said, I assure you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Now, he's a prophet. He's at his hometown. We're going to see in a second. They don't accept him. Verse 25, But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over all the land. Yeshua knew his Israelite history, right? He knew 1 Kings 17. He knew about the, the drought. He even pronounces it was three years and six months. Many widows were in Israel in those days. Verse 26, Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. Verse 27, And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had serious skin diseases, yet not one of them was healed. Only Naaman the Syrian. Now, Yeshua is telling the people that his ministry is like Elias, it's like Elijah's, and it's like Elisha's, even though we're not on Elisha yet, but we'll eventually get there. Yeshua is saying he functions as a dishonored hometown prophet. 
He's in his hometown and he says, look, no prophet has honor in his hometown. They watched Yeshua grow up. They even said here in this passage, is not this Joseph's son, the carpenter? He's nothing special. We don't really consider him in high regard. So they didn't receive him for who he really was. See? Well, Elijah wasn't sent to a widow in his hometown either. Elijah was not sent to a widow in Israel. There were many widows in Israel at that time. But he wasn't sent to any of them. The contrast with Israel, the land of Israel, is Zarephath and Sidon. Elijah was sent to Zarephath and Sidon. He was sent to that widow. He was sent to a woman who knew that her mighty one was not Yahweh. Remember, the chief mighty one of Sidon was Baal, Baal. The same goes for Elisha, Elisha. Yeshua says there were many lepers. Remember in verse 27, in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many lepers in Israel. But Elisha wasn't sent to any of them. None of them were healed. Only Naaman the Syrian was healed. Now I want you to again notice the contrast between Israel and Syrian. That's the contrast. Israel, Sidon, Israel, Syrian. Naaman the leper was not an Israelite man. He was the commander of the army of Aram. He was an Aramean. The Syrians were Arameans by their genealogy. The Arameans were actually Shemites. They were descendants from Shem, but not through Eber, not through Abraham. That's for another message and another time. We'll get to that. The point is this. Neither the widow woman in Elijah's time nor Naaman the leper in Elisha's time were Israelites. Yet the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, were sent to them and not to an Israelite widow or an Israelite leper. Yeshua knew this, and that's why he mentioned it in Nazareth. He was in his hometown, and he said, I'm not going to do any miracles in my hometown because I'm just like the prophets of old. Y'all don't appreciate me, and... The hometowners didn't appreciate the prophets Elijah and Elisha, so they were sent elsewhere. I know you want to see me do some miracles, but you don't realize that you're poor and you're captive and you're blind, and so I'm not going to do any for you. Now, if you look at Luke 4, 28 through 30, let's read that. After Yeshua said this, what did the people do? Look at this. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town and brought him to the edge of the hill their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, that's pretty intense. Maybe a little PG-13, right? Right there. Trying to push the Messiah over the cliff. You wouldn't think that just his words would get him upset. But you know why they got upset? Because they understood what he was talking about. They understood the implications because they knew the story. These were not ignorant people. They knew the stories of the prophet Elijah and the prophet Elisha. And what they knew was that the reason that Elijah was not sent to the widows in Israel was a reason of judgment upon the Israelites. The parallel then was that Yeshua was pronouncing judgment on the people in Nazareth in his hometown. Now, this is why Elijah was not sent to a widow in Israel. Remember, as we've been studying, 
Israel was at that time rejecting the law that had been given to her as a nation. Ahab, the king of Israel, was a Baal worshiper. He had built Baal a temple. He had set up an Asherah pole beside that temple. He did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, 1 Kings 16 says. And so the nation, as it usually goes, followed the king for the most part. There was a remnant. There's always a remnant. But for the most part, the nation followed the king. Ahab was wicked. The nation was wicked. They followed suit. When Yahweh's people, I'm going to show you in the Torah something here. When Yahweh's people Israel go after foreign mighty ones to provoke him to anger, Yahweh seeks after foreign peoples to provoke Israel to jealousy. You know the Bible says that. Now, I'm going to give you some homework as we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. That's your homework to read the whole chapter of Deuteronomy 32. Let's turn there. I want to cover a few verses before I close this evening. Deuteronomy 32 is the song of Moses. One time Brother Orlando asked me, I was sitting in Brother Arnold's living room, Brother Orlando, we were talking about something in the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation chapter 15, it talks about these saints that sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And Brother Orlando looked at me and said, Brother Matthew, or he might have said Matthew, or he might have said, hey, I can't remember. But he got my attention, and I remember him saying this to me. He said, do you know the song of Moses? And I said, no, brother, I don't know it. <laughs> he said, well, then how are you going to be able to sing it with the saints in Revelation 15? I said, that's a good point, Brother Orlando. That's a good point. Well, Deuteronomy 32 is the Song of Moses. And Deuteronomy 32 is about Yahweh's greatness, how awesome Yahweh is, and how stubborn His people are. That's what the chapter's about. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 16, it says that Israel provoked Yahweh's jealousy with foreign mighty ones, foreign gods. It goes on to say they sacrificed to demons and not to Yahweh the rock. Look then at verses 19 through 21. Deuteronomy 32, 19. When Yahweh saw this, He despised them, provoked to anger by His sons and His daughters. Who's His sons and His daughters? It's the Israelites. They provoked Him to anger. Why? Because He was their mighty one. They were the ones He gave the law to. And so when they go after foreign mighty ones, the prophets sometimes depict it as whoring after other men. It's like if a married woman was to play the harlot on her husband. Well, there's an allegory in the Old Testament where Israel is like Yahweh's wife. And when she goes and serves other gods, it's like playing the harlot on Yahweh. So Yahweh's upset. He's provoked anger by his sons and daughters, verse 19. Verse 20, he said, I will hide my face from them, I will see what will become of them, for they are a perverse generation, unfaithful children. Verse 21 is the key verse. They have provoked my jealousy with their so-called mighty ones. I like that. They have enraged me with their worthless idols. So I will provoke their jealousy with an inferior people. I will enrage them with a foolish nation. See, Israel 
is a precious treasure in the Bible, not because of who she is, but because of who Yahweh made her to be. It is still the same today. We are not precious simply because of our status or who we are, but we are precious because of Yahweh's steadfast love towards us, of Yahweh's undying love towards us. Yahweh is steadfast towards us even when we're not steadfast for Him. There's a section in Deuteronomy 32 in the Song of Moses where Yahweh said, I'm ready to just wipe everybody away, but I'm not going to do it for my holy name's sake. I don't want the other nations to make fun of me, so I'm going to keep a remnant, a remnant of Israel. Well, Yahweh says in verse 21 that when Israel provokes him with their foreign gods and their worthless idols, when they provoke him, he'll provoke them with an inferior people kind of like the little Sidonian widow woman. She was one of those inferior people. And Yahweh was using her to provoke His people to jealousy so that they might come back and receive Him as their one and only mighty one. Yahweh took the blessing that would have belonged to Israel and He placed it upon a widow woman in Sidon. Israel didn't want it. They served Baal. They worshipped Baal. They were whoring after another god. So Yahweh said, I'm going to take this blessing and I'm going to give it to this widow woman. Let me close by saying this. Never take Yahweh's love, His care, and His blessing for granted. Never take it for granted. Never. Don't ever get the mindset that Yahweh owes you anything. Yahweh doesn't owe me anything. He's not in debt to me. Yahweh doesn't owe you anything. Yahweh doesn't even need you or me. He loves us. He chooses to use you and me. Praise His holy name. But He doesn't need us. Never become prideful, brothers and sisters, thinking that you're something because of who you are. If you amount to anything... It is not because of who you are. It is only because of who Yahweh is, what Yahweh has done for you, and who Yahweh has made you to be. That's it. It's what He has done for us and made us in and through His Son. I do not stand before you today preaching this sermon as a worthy man. Brother Rocket came up to me before service and he said, I'm, Brother Jerry called me. He's going to do the testimonies. Brother Frankie didn't realize it. And he said, I don't know if I'm worthy to do it. I said, Brother, I'm not worthy to preach. I don't stand here before you today a worthy man. I stand before you today believing in a worthy Messiah that was sent by a worthy Yahweh. And I humbly thank Him for all He's done for me. If Yahweh had not been on our side, let Israel say, Psalm 124, I persevere, but it's not because I've always hold so tightly to Yahweh. There's days I don't hold tightly to Him. Thanks be to my Heavenly Father, it's because He holds so tightly to me. When Ahab thought he was living it up in his palace, 
when the Israelites were hoeing around with other gods, enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, Yahweh's prophet was sent to a little, small, insignificant, inferior widow woman of Sidon. Yahweh commanded Elijah to go there. He said, get up and go to Zarephath and Sidon. I've commanded a widow woman there to provide for you. Many widows in Israel, Yeshua said, Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. She was only blessed because Israel had rejected Yahweh's blessing. And Yahweh was using her, Deuteronomy 32.21, to provoke His people to jealousy. Are you thankful today for Yahweh's blessing? I mean, are you really thankful for His blessing? Do you realize that you are who you are by the grace of Yahweh? The Apostle Paul once wrote in one of his epistles, I am what I am by Yahweh's grace. Take the time to thank Him this evening. Not just here. When you go home, take the time to thank Yahweh this evening. There's a desire in your heart. There's a love down in your soul. If sometimes when you feel like giving up, you can't because it's like those burning embers Brother Arnold was talking about in testimony service that they transported with the tabernacle. There's a message in that. Those embers, that fire never went out. And sometimes when I feel like giving up in my life because of hard times or whatever, whatever battles come my way, but if when you experience all that, you can't let go, you can't give up, it's because there's that little fire, no matter how small, it's burning way deep down inside. And it might be just little embers. And they just need to be shoved around a little bit for that fire to start blazing back. That's why we come to Sabbath service. We get them embers shoved around. That's why we sing praises to Yahweh. That's why we keep the feast. We get them embers shoved around. Are you thankful for Yahweh's blessing? Amen. Are you thankful you are who you are by His grace? Well, take the time to thank Him for it. Take the time to praise Him for it. Take the time to glory in your Maker. Don't glory in yourself. Glory in your Maker. Don't take the gift of His Son lightly. It's a precious price, uncorruptible blood. When you lay your head down tonight on your pillow, remember that you have salvation, not because of what you've done for Yahweh, but because of what Yahweh has done for you. If that fire is burning down in me, it's not because I lit it. It's because Yahweh lit it. And rest assured, Yahweh lights them natural fires like Josh Kirk lights, right? Always fires are real. They're natural fires. So I'm not going to stop serving Yahweh. I don't want to be like the majority of the Israelites in Elijah's time. I want to be like the faithful remnant. We'll eventually get to in chapter 18 and 19, the 7,000 that had not bowed their knee to Baal. I want to be that faithful remnant. Amen? I don't want Yahweh to take my blessing and give it to somebody else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You. We praise You. We glorify You. You're great. You're powerful. You're worthy. Father Yahweh, I pray that You would instill within us thanksgiving, instill within us a strong desire. Do not let us fall by the wayside. I pray as we go home tonight, we, we take time hopefully to read the song of Moses that we would see how great you are and how little we are. Now that we're called to give you all the glory and praise.
pray that you'd make us the remnant, make us like Elijah, make us like the faithful remnant. Let us not be like King Ahab and those that followed in his path. Father, we're thankful for this little widow woman. We're thankful that you sent your prophet to her so that we could learn that we should not take your blessings lightly or else they may go to somebody else. We praise you and we thank you for it. For it's through your Son, I pray.